a podcast in which we attempt to talk about films within the confines of a particular theme that changes from episode to episode. I'm Joe Gastineau, and joining me via satellite, as always, is Ed Davis. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm I'm doing pretty good, actually, given yeah. that it's kind of the past the witching hour um, in cool. Greenwich meantime. Um, this week, we're not talking about films, are we? We're talking about uh, a TV show. Uh, we're talking about a, a TV show that's uh, going to be in the news at the moment. Uh, we're getting topical again. Uh, we're talking about NBC's uh, sitcom Community. For those who don't know, uh, Community started in 2009. Is that right, Ed? Uh, yes, that is correct. Uh, yeah. I'm not prepared for this. I thought we were talking about Animal Hospital. Oh, right. Okay. When we were talking about stuff that's in the news. Uh, yes, uh, Community started in 2009. Uh, it was uh, created by... Uh, Dan Harmon, who up to that point was perhaps best known as the co-writer of uh, the animated film uh, Monster House, uh, the creator, he'd also created a channel called uh, a, a, a website called Channel 101, which was a, uh, a very interesting sort of experimental site where people could submit their shorts, their comedy shorts, and then people would basically vote on whether or not it got to continue mm. uh, as a sort of a TV show, and then people would basically have to be as funny as possible otherwise they'd get voted off or they'd get voted to continue and then they'd have to be faced with the daunting task of having to make another one uh, which was a sort of outlet for Harmon and his uh, co-creator Rob Schraub and also uh, was an early kind of uh, point for the Lonely Island who put out a lot of stuff through that channel Um, and he also uh, co-wrote the uh, pilot uh, Heat Vision and Jack, uh, the legendary uh, Ben Stiller directed Jack w- uh, Black starring um, pi- comedy pilot about a uh, an astronaut whose best friend gets turned into a talking motorcycle, which is uh, <laughs> this, down... this didn't happen, right? No, no, this is a real thing. You can find it on YouTube. It's one of the funniest sort of half hours you'll ever see because it's a really high concept sort of um, homage slash parody of those sort of like crappy 80s uh, uh, you know high concept TV shows like Knight Rider and Air Wolf and stuff like that um, which also boasts the sort of wonderfully strange thing in which the villain is Ron Silver uh, as Ron Silver the uh, actor slash NASA assassin who is constantly re- referred to by people as the bad guy from Time Cop uh, it's a uh, it's a dizzyingly strange thing. It's really I, I still don't think this out. actually. I still don't think it's actually happened, Ed. I think I still think you're pulling my leg. <laughs> this is a real thing. Keep Vision and Jack. Seek it out. Um, but yeah, so that was what he was most famous for. And then he uh, created Community, which was a show ostensibly about a group of people who go to a community college together. Um, but it kind of unfolded, didn't it? It kind of unfolded into this kind of quite strange meta textual thing that kind of all skewered these kind of pop culture references from from kind of all over and it was really playful the way it did things and kind of structured episodes around homages to other shows but not in the way that it had been done in something like Spaced where you know things were kind of 
uh, you know, just thrown in there, and you'd, you'd maybe get five or six references in one scene. The, this kind of committed to it, and they did a Goodfellas episode where, based around chicken fingers in a canteen, or they did a uh, the paintball episodes where essentially they made their own action movie homage uh, in kind of 22 delightful minutes. Um, and yeah, that that was kind of what kind of set it apart from other sitcoms, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. But also, it was also, even though it could get sort of really out there it was always grounded in the characters and you know all of the the actors were great and they were able to play these sort of initially very sort of broadly drawn characters and sort of bring their own sort of individual personality and sort of weirdness to it and to be able to play the emotional notes in a way which didn't feel false with Mm. all of the sort of the high concept stuff yeah which it could easily have happened so uh, we had uh, the first season of Community, then it was renewed for a second and third season. It always struggled with low ratings, but still somehow managed to get through every single renewal was a surprise. And then at the end of season three, showrunner and creator Dan Harmon was fired uh, for various reasons. And a season four was uh, announced, but shortened to 13 episodes rather than the the usual 19 or 22 episode seasons they'd had before. Um, season 4 started, it was uh, kind of beset with problems, um, it was delayed on release, it was uh, this one of the stars of the show, Chevy Chase, left, um, and it kind of just got out there and it, everyone seemed to think that season 4 was just kind of going to go through the motions, uh, it hasn't got one of its stars, it hasn't got its showrunner, uh, it's still no one's watching it, everyone figured that after 13 episodes NBC would put a bullet in it, put it out of its misery, but two, na- two days ago um, NBC surprised, you know, dare I say everyone, and renewed it for another 13 episodes. Yeah, definitely surprised um, because obviously the show's been so sort of beleaguered for such a long time. <laughs> sort of at more or less every stage of its development, you know, even going back to the first season, it seemed like a show that was perpetually on the risk, on the verge of of being cancelled. And then this year, especially, you know, you look at the way it was shunted about the schedule, delayed from October until uh, February, I believe it started. And, uh, you know, as you say, all of the production uh, problems, it just seemed like uh, it was going to be done in uh, and the fact that it's been renewed is possibly more of a testament to how bad things are at NBC than the sort of the strengths of the show at this point mm. because NBC's lost 30 Rock and The Office this year which are two of its sort of more fated, you know The Office is pretty much its highest rated sitcom uh, and that's you know finishing on Thursday um, 30 Rock was one that you know was a fairly solid performer um, and now they're left, un- but all of their new sit- broad sitcoms that they commissioned this year failed, like, uh, astonishingly. Um, so they, they, in the week, they pretty much cancelled everything else, and then they left themselves with just, more or less, Community and Parks and Recreation, mm. uh, which were the two shows that every year everyone assumed would get cancelled. So it's a bit of a turn-up for the books. Yeah, Parks and Recreation was always a survivor, wasn't it? And now it mm. seems to be the tentpole show of NBC's schedule it's kind of mad the way that like it seemed to I think we we did a podcast didn't we when we previewed um, I think uh, last year's fall's um, schedule and you know you talked about a lineup that included 30 Rock The Office Parks and Recreation and Community and now that's been decimated that lineup. yeah um, it's uh, especially when you consider that it's not just that you know half of the shows have gone 
it's the, the the one of the shows that remains you know has gone through all of these uh these changes and has uh arguably uh well not you know it's definitely uh, declined in quality as a result but i think what's more interesting sort of for this episode's discussion is you know how we feel it's it's changed so i did so let's uh, jump into it what are your thoughts on the on the fourth season of community um, I think, and I've said this several times, um, and I'm going to trademark this quip, um, that Community Season 4 felt like a season composed of album tracks. It was a lot of middling episodes, and the problem with Community, that I've found generally as, as, as a kind of criticism of the show, um, is it is quite hit and miss. Mm. Um, and uh, as a result, you get a lot of episodes which try something, and bits of them work, and the rest of the episode is kind of left to drift and I felt like this season kind of really typified that uh, we had 13 episodes of the 13 episodes I think 3 I would count as very good episodes um, maybe judged against the other series One only one of those episodes really stood out as being excellent um, and the rest of them were pretty pretty kind of mediocre and I think that the nadir n- um, pun intended um of the season was the the very last episode which I thought was fucking shit yeah for those who didn't see it the last episode um, it's it's obviously requires a bit of backtracking uh, in a in the third season there was an episode called um, Remedial Chaos Theory in which the all the characters were in uh, Troy and Abed's uh, apartment and they were trying to determine who should go and collect a pizza which was a very sort of quiet and normal and subdued start to an episode Seinfeldian we could probably call that yes that was definitely uh, the sense that you got but then it uh, they decided they were going to try and choose by rolling a dice and each time they rolled the dice uh, you saw a different outcome one of which ended up in what was known as the darkest timeline in which uh, Chase's character died mm-hmm. Jeff uh, uh, John McHale's character Jeff lost an arm yep. uh, Donald Glover uh, who plays Troy uh, ate a troll who was on fire and <laughs> lost his voice and essentially everyone became uh, evil uh, and later on it was established that the evil that the darkest timeline sort of did exist as a real thing because the evil Arbed kind of crossed over and uh, made uh, almost made Arbed chop off um, Jeff's arm with a saw mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah I think that uh, this episode, the the flaws of this episode were kind of um, established in the previous season, I think, because uh, it did they they overplayed the darkest timeline stuff by essentially having the darkest timeline play out, mm-hmm. uh, admittedly in just in Jeff's imagination, yeah, um, which was kind of in some ways the worst thing about it is they didn't really even commit to the kind of crazy idea that they decided to pursue. Yeah, they had this kind of idea of interdimensional versions of the characters coming over and fighting each other which in and of itself was quite fun uh, because you got to see the actors play these different shades of the characters mm. but uh, there, it, it kind of didn't really amount to much and it really felt as a lot of the season did as if they were desperately trying to kind of recreate the feel of the show under Dan Harmon without quite having his uh, his sort of obsessive ability to kind of corral all of these weird forces in the way that he did 
Yeah, and I think that the last episode of the season um, really did typify that in that yes, we had we had we had an attempt to bring in um, the darkest timeline thing, but it was shoehorned in the middle of an episode. All of a sudden, mm. there was a decision to be made. Jeff got a dice out. We saw even the kind of same shot structure of everything of him rolling the dice and all that kind of stuff. We got that, and then five minutes later. What what's great about community? Oh, they had a paintball episode. Let's stick yeah. paintball guns in it. And then towards the end of the episode, there was a Matrix reference. And unlike other movie references they've made, it was just thrown in there for a second and then moved on. And yeah, it that didn't was, mean anything. That was definitely one of the the worst aspects of it. Just the the Matrix thing. You just kind of think, oh. I mean, mm. it's it's not as bad as there's these ads for General Electric that are playing over here at the moment, in which uh, they may even be playing. Uh, you may have even seen them, in which uh, Hugo Weaving, as Agent Smith, goes around a hospital and talks about all of the different programs, uh, which are probably the least timely adverts I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, it's not as <laughs> if the Matrix is a, is a hot uh, property at the moment, is it? Yeah, they waited ten years and, until after the last one had been released to kind of hire Hugo Weaving to play the character, probably at, at cost. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but you know that it did feel like a sort of a very warmed over kind of thing, which was a problem that kind of beset a lot of the season. Is that, I mean, the the showrunners um, David Gorosquio and Moses Port, who are um, guys who have worked on Happy Endings, which is a really good show, and co-created a, a series called Aliens in America, which is uh, held in quite high regard. Um, they uh, were in a bit of a bind really when they took over because obviously they took over a show that was uh, had this very distinctive uh, central figure at its heart who often rewrote everything and, and you know um, would uh, make people work really long hours and would overrun on scripts which was one of the main reasons why he was fired is that mm. you know they would people would show up to work and they just wouldn't have any scripts to work with because they hadn't been finished. Uh, much the same way, so essentially the same sort of reasons why David Milch was fired from NYPD Blue or why Aaron Sorkin was fired from The West Wing. Mm. And they had to come into this and they had this kind of distinct, very idiosyncratic worldview that they had to try and replicate or try and force their own personality on and risk sort of alienating the entire audience. And I think what they did was kind of the best they could have done at uh, kind of balancing those two sides of it because they kept they they tried to do the old community whilst also clearly trying to apply their own sort of sensibility to it but in a very sort of sort of inobtrusive way Mm. and the the best episodes um kind of worked in that regard but uh, a lot of them just as you say they were just kind of album tracks they were not great not terrible but just they were they were sort of on a par with sort of the the weakest episodes of the previous seasons, but without that many sort of like standouts to kind of carry it through. Yeah, of the standout episodes that they were, the, I mean the clear obvious uh, standout that the kind of everyone seems to agree was the the one episode that would probably fit up there with some of the better episodes of Community as a whole. Um, the puppet episode stood out. Um, I can't remember the title of that episode. Um, Intro to felt surrogacy. That's right. Yeah, I always like the album, the um, the episode titles. They're always very inventive. Um, but yes, that was a good show. And I think that when that show was coming up, I was kind of dreading it. I was mm-hmm. kind of thinking, ah, oh, shit, here comes another gimmicky episode. But actually, it was, you know, it was really great. I thought. 
Yeah, it really committed to the idea very well, and you know they found a natural way to work it into the uh, into the the usual world of the show by having all the characters having to recreate this traumatic camping trip using puppets and then having them act it out and you know having Jason Alexander show up and give them drugs, mm-hmm. which in and of itself was quite something to see uh, puppets um, tripping tripping their nuts off. Yeah, yeah. and it was and a musical then, episode as well. They had great songs in it had really good songs it had uh, a strong emotional element as well because the characters were they were all really awkward around each other I actually really liked the fact that the sort of pre-credit sequence of the episode was just them all staring awkwardly at each other around the table mm. so rather than kind of actually having sort of jokes or set up it was just kind of silence and then kind of kicking into the sort of the upbeat uh, theme tune which uh, I thought made for a very nice and strange contrast. Uh, and then having to reveal these secrets about each other, which uh, worked out uh, quite nicely, I thought. I think it, it hit some nice emotional notes with the various characters. Um, yeah. And that came, that episode kind of came in, there was a run of four really strong episodes in a row, because there was that one, there was Herstory of Dance, in which uh, Britta, played by um, Gillian Jacobs, decides to host a dance to protest the um, Sadie Hawkins dance and she hosts a Sophie B. Hawkins dance in which the pop singer Sophie B. Hawkins is has to kind of come along to it and that was nicely played. There was a really nice subplot in there with Abed uh, deciding that he was going to go on two dates and kind of work through that traditional sitcom plot in a way that was really funny and had a nice uh, supporting performance by Brie Larson who I found to be very very charming and I mm. hope that uh, in the fifth season they bring her back because I thought she was uh, she was really great and she ch- uh, chimed well with um, Danny Pudi's uh, performance and then after the, that there was Intro to Knots which was their sort of tribute to Rope which I was a little bit disappointed in but purely because in my head I was comparing it to the Psychoville episode based on Rope which still is to me one of the, the best um episodes of a sitcom I've ever seen um, uh, and you know which completely committed to the idea of filming it in what appeared to be a single shot which uh, community half committed to because the first sort of five or ten minutes of the episode was in a single take mm. did and you then, read about the the aftermath of that though because um, the person who wrote the episode I was just kind of reading about this before before we came on but I was, the, the person who wrote the episode actually said that that was that was purely their intention, and the directors at Tristan Shapiro, um, mm-hmm. who's come on as an executive producer in this series, um, yeah. uh, he uh, wanted to do it in as few takes as possible. But uh, the problem was that Joel McHale wasn't available for the whole shooting time. Ah. Plus, as well, they had to. He pointed out that unlike um, Hitchcock on Rope, um, Community is contractually obliged to deliver an episode of an exact length. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hitchcock could have made his film three or four minutes longer either way, which is when you're dealing in single takes, is you know that you yeah. need a little bit of leniency to pull that off. So I mean, it is it is frustrating because the bits where it is kind of in kind of flowing takes, and they make jokes about how there's going to be a kind of clumsy cut. Uh, there's a great mm-hmm. bit where um, in Rope, where anyone who's seen Rope will know it's you know it's not one long shot it's uh, you know the, the camera is going to do 10 minute takes so the camera would move in on a on a kind of black object and try and mask this cut and some of them are really clumsy no matter how they try and disguise it but there's a really great bit in the community episode where it looks like Troy and Arbed are going to walk in front of the camera to cut the take off 
but they stop and let the camera go past and then walk past behind. And then if you notice yeah. that, it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good little gag. Um, but yeah, then it just falls into the normal kind of shot reverse shot, Ed, yeah. <laughs> which is, uh, hey, that's the title of the show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it kind of falls into that, which is frustrating. But I can kind of see why it did that. But that was a good episode. Um, and uh, the one immediately after that was called Basic Human Anatomy, which was written by cast member and Oscar winner Jim Rash mm-hmm. uh, which was the one which seemed to have the greatest uh, possibility to be terrible because it was a body, uh, swap. body swap a body swap episode and I was uh, I was uncertain about it until it kind of got to the meat of it which was that it was all about Troy being unable to admit that he didn't want to be in a relationship with Britta anymore which I thought was handled really actually very beautifully and was actually very sweetly done mm-hmm. and also had again a, a, a really really funny subplot for me, which was the dean convincing himself that he'd swapped bodies with Jeff. Yep. And you got to see uh, Jim Rash doing his Joel McHale impersonation and kind of stripping his shirt off and walking around shirtless, and um, Alison Brie having to play being attracted to Jim Rash, which was very good because she was uh, playing kind of being smitten and then kind of uh, pulling back from it and being really confused, which she does very well. And repulsed. Um, yeah, so it was. Uh, so I thought that one was the, of the sort of the really high concept episodes. That one was the one for me that uh, worked the best um, mm. alongside the puppet one. Whereas Herstory of Dance was one that was kind of a really really good example of the ones that aren't really high concept. Obviously, you've got the 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 sitcom trope thing going on in the background, but otherwise, it's just a really kind of solidly funny uh, episode. Mm. And I think those that sort of run, and also uh, to less lesser extent, the penultimate episode, Heroic Origins, in which it's all about the how the different members of the group kind of came to Greensdale, which I thought was uh, nicely nicely done. Uh, was it could have been terrible then, just kind of making up these backstories for everyone, but I thought that all the various sort of cast members did it really well, even if there was the incredibly awkward moment where, because at that point, obviously Chevy Chase had been fired or had left air. Uh, amicably from the show they um, they had like someone playing him in the one scene of the episode in which he appears and, and they the used old, old dialogue from his old episodes didn't they to kind of put a little bit in yeah so it, that one felt a little awkward although it did kind of indicate to me how well the show will probably do in season 5 without him around because uh, yeah. uh, a lot of the episodes this year they did kind of marginalise him or in, like in the puppet episode, he doesn't appear, but you hear him do the voice for the puppet, so obviously they didn't have him on set. And other ones, they just kind of send him away for the entirety of it. Um, I mean, there's two episodes full stop that he's not in. The the, the one you mentioned with the origin story and also the rope episode where um, they kind of uh, rope, pun intended, uh, the character of Chang um, into the proceedings. He's kind of, kind of adopt him into the group... Um, as a kind of the outsider persona that that kind of Chevy Chase brings to it, he's not mm. really one of the group. Is in they could probably all kind of do without him, and they always take the piss out of him. So you know, bringing Chang in to fill that role maybe is an indication of where they're going to go with that in season five. Yeah, because um, they've it's a, again it's kind of a, a fault the sh- of the show for quite a while really is not really knowing what to do with Pierce and not really knowing what to do with Chang. Uh, this year with him having Changnesia was um, a little strange although it did make for some fun moments when he was trying to be super duper oblivious of 
all of human interaction, which uh, I thought Ken Jeong could play really well. And also, it basically forced Ken Jeong not to do the thing he always does, which is to be really abrasive. Yeah. Uh, which becomes very wearying after a while. Um, and then in, in this, where he essentially couldn't play that because he wasn't allowed to play Chang, it, mm. uh, it worked surprisingly well, I thought. Um, hopefully, they can keep that up, that up and keep having be Kevin in the fifth season. Yeah. Um, Pro- so I prob- that worked. Problem with uh, season four for me, uh, Troy and Britta never really, never really bought that at all. Mm. Although it was something that had been kind of built into the show up to that point. I think it was very much kind of a sense of something that, in theory, could work because there was cl- there. I think Dan Harmon was clearly building to sort of an attraction between the two. But when it actually occurs, mm. you kind of look at it and think uh, it's not really that interesting of a pairing. Well, it's a bit like Annie and and um, Jeff, isn't it? Like, you, I'm totally happy to buy the tension, and not even in a kind of Ross and Rachel will they, won't they? I'm just happy for the tension to be there and for it to be an undercurrent the whole time. Uh, if they got together, that would probably be the least interesting thing uh, that's ever happened. Yeah, it says something that the only really interesting thing about their relationship was the way they broke up. Yeah, because because obviously there was some high concept wackiness around it. But also because uh, it was actually an interesting idea to have these two people who are sort of happy in a relationship, but also not really that enthusiastic about it, and you know worried about if they broke up, would they stop being friends and stuff like that, which was a uh, you know an interesting dynamic to play. And I think the show kind of handled that very well, which was in stark contrast to everything leading up to it in terms mm. of their relationship. Um, do you think NBC should have put a bullet in the show? Um, it's hard to tell, really, because I don't hate the show as it currently stands. I don't. Mm. I don't think it's become utterly terrible. I think that it is. It is obviously not as good as it was, but at the same time, it's always been a very inconsistent show, and I still think that there are enough elements there, you know, just from the good episodes of this year to demonstrate that it could become just a really solid, good show that, you know, maybe occasionally hits the highs and is never quite as sort of transcendental as, you know, the first three seasons often were. Mm. But it could still be... It's not... Uh, it's it's just had to go through the sort of this transitional year, which is never really good for even good shows. Like, the, the example that everyone cites is The West Wing. When Aaron Sorkin left The West Wing after the fourth season, um, the fifth season is pretty much uh, regarded as the the absolute nadir of the show because the new showrunners had to come in and they had to deal with the fallout of all the stuff that Aaron Sorkin done at the end of his tenure which was essentially to uh, end on a cliffhanger that was just kind of a fuck you <laughs> to, to, the, uh, to the people who were going to take over from him and um, and then they struggled through that and there were some good episodes but largely it wasn't at quite as good as the previous years and then in the sixth and seventh season they essentially reinvented the show and made it all about the campaign for the next president and uh, it, it basically seems to become its own spin-off mm. uh, and I think that you know having gone got through this year and being given another 13 episodes next year that there is potential for community to pull the same trick for them to go you know Jeff's left the school so the show's dynamics are going to be changed there's a chance for them to kind of change the show into something that you know more readily reflects the uh, the, the sort of the 
worldview uh, of the new showrunners and you know they can kind of move forward and perhaps move away from trying to recreate sort of the Harmon years uh, and I think that there is there's lots of potential and obviously you've still got this sort of like this great amazingly funny cast who can just do tr- uh, fantastic things and I just really think that there is a lot of opportunity for them to sort of build on this kind of fractured and uh, very very choppy year and you know do something a lot more solid and consistent in the, the final season or you know or you know if the show runs past season five which you know is possible but considering that it's on a network that is constantly failing mm. um, you know it could keep running but if not I think there's still potential for them to do one final kind of good season in the same way that you know Seinfeld did with its sort of seasons eight and nine after Larry David left you know the show wasn't quite as good as it had been sort of in its peak years but it could still churn out some really good stuff yeah um do you think that um the well with the revelation of you know jeff graduating and well two of the the seven key characters graduating and i don't know like i didn't really kind of twig until kind of i read a review of the last episode that like jeff's given his major in education (laughs) that don't, is there a chance he'll stick around as a teacher or a tutor? Is that a way to work him back into the season? Because Joel McHale is he under contract? Has he left? No, no, he's still on the show. There's still everyone except Chevy Chase is still there. Right. Um, and you know, obviously, except for the writers who left over the course of the season, like Dino Stamatopoulos, who played Starburns and uh, oh, R.I.P. Starburns. The uh, the Russo brothers who left to go and direct. Um, uh, the second Captain America movie, uh, and also apparently, uh, according to one of the cast members, uh, who revealed this in the the comments of an AV Club review and then quickly deleted them. So I don't know if he was meant to reveal them, uh, but apparently they got into a big fight with Dan Harmon and left like the show very quietly. Uh, the Russos the did. Yeah, yeah. So they left uh, before Dan Harmon did, but it was only announced after the end of the season that they had gone. So uh, I think you know there were all the there was a lot of turnover. So maybe the the remaining writers can kind of uh, do something uh, interesting uh, going forward. But um, yeah, I think that keeping him putting him as a teacher might be the sort of the best way forward with it. Because mm. as you say, yeah, they revealed that he was education, and at the end of this season, he's looking for a job. Personally, I would like to see them try to have him actually get a a real job because I think Dan Harmon always said that his plan was that the show would follow these characters you know if it went to six or seven seasons it would follow them outside of Greendale Uh, so you know maybe they'll try something like that and then just kind of bring him back into the fold by having become a teacher but uh, you know I think it would be interesting to see what they try but yeah that sounds to me like the, the easiest way to keep everyone within the college what does um, NBC's commitment to doing 13 episodes tell us? Um, I mean, they haven't gone for a full... Uh, is it 22 they normally do? 22 episodes, yeah. 23? It's um, usually 22, or in the first two seasons were 24. Right, okay. What What is the, the, the kind of 13, 13 kind of episode order tell us about NBC's confidence in in uh, community? They just want to keep it going because they know that someone will watch it? Or are they just kind of... I, I don't know what, what what why do another 13 episodes after they seem to be just kind of dumping it before by doing a, a season 4 a shortened season 4 why do another shortened season 
Uh, I think it's because it's partly just to get it up to syndication because when the with the next thirteen it will take them to ninety seven episodes. Right. A hundred is the sort of the traditional line, although shows that have only managed to get to ninety have been uh, syndicated before. So it's partly that you know Sony will be pushing for them to get as many episodes as possible because they will get more money the more episodes there are that they can sell as part of syndication packages. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also on NBC's part, it's kind of an acknowledgement that they haven't really got anything else, and it gives them the opportunity if one of their new comedies is a big success that they can air the 13 episodes and then just cancel it then. Right. Uh, but with the 13, it means they don't commit to having to schedule a whole season of it and have it like you know struggle for ratings yet again. Or, uh, but they can st- if if everything else fails and they've still got it and they can still s- kind of slot it in and go you know okay we're guaranteed to get sort of two to three million people watching that and you know at a certain point that's the best you can hope for on NBC. Mm. Do you think um, that there's any chance of Dan Harmon returning? Now I'm basing this. I know the answer to this already. Um, but I'm basing this on the very, very funny piece that was on the AV Club um, today um, when uh, a another um, website reported that Dan Harmon was allegedly going to come back and uh, the AV Club kind of ripped it for being kind of shameless hit bait for, you know, mm. just being a piece about what everyone wants to be true even though, you know, a showrunner leaving or being sacked, having a season off then coming back has never happened before ever um, it's incredibly unlikely to happen then but do you think that's if just for argument's sake is Dan Harmon coming back the only way that community could be truly good again uh, I think it could be good as in a different way just with the people it's got now but the only way I could see it returning to kind of being good in the way that it was before Mm. Yeah, it would need Dan Harmon to come back because he's the one who understands those characters most intuitively. He's the one who kind of brings that intense kind of crazy energy to it all, which obviously got him fired, but also made the show, uh, you know, what it was and what people fell in love with and made it this kind of thing that people kind of rallied behind every year to get renewed and this year feel very conflicted about um, Mm. its renewal, you know, because I think, you know, the way that everyone kind of every previous year when it's been announced it's been renewed it's been a yay and this year it was yay mm. with a with a very very uncertain question mark at the end of it and um, I think that again I think that there's there's enough potential for it to still be a really good show but not the show that it was you know it can be good in a different way uh, you know but if, if they wanted to return it to exactly the way it was before then Dan Harmon's kind of the only one who could do that the only, the only way I can see him coming back into the fold is, you know, he's still a producer on the show, although he's been very vocal about the fact that that essentially just means that uh, he's not allowed on the lot, but he's still credited. Right. Um, they could bring him in, and they could have, make that sort of consultant thing be actually true and get him in to kind of help out. Mm. But I can't see him coming back on and being hired on a showrunner after, you know considering everything that he was fired for mm. yeah it would be quite awkward if he came back well I suppose with Chase gone it wouldn't be uh, so awkward now yeah I mean that was obviously uh, a big part of the sort of the tension was he and 
Chevy Chase did not see eye to eye, but I don't think many people do see eye to eye with Chevy Chase, not just because he's very tall. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that, I mean, like Chevy Chase has had that throughout his career is, you know, people have, uh, you know, Bill Murray's punched him in the face. He's the only guy who's never really kind of got on with him after falling out of him. But even Lorne Michaels, the creator of um, Saturday Night Live, who banned him from the show after he left, um, has had him on in the years since. So, you know, I think uh, them not seeing eye to eye is probably not the sort of the be all and end all of him kind of wanting to work on the show. I think it's probably more to do with just the uh, the the horror of creating something and then being shit canned from it. Yeah, mm. being shit canned from the thing that you created, which has, you know, got to be so immensely galling, even if, you know, maybe from a sort of a production and sort of financial viewpoint it obviously makes a great deal of sense <laughs> to yeah. have people in who are a little easier at keeping the sort of the the thing running smoothly I mean like as I say I am very I'm cautiously optimistic probably very strong emphasis on caution um, and I will be watching it sort of next year but if the show kind of doesn't write itself then you know I, I won't be sad to see it you know finish after five seasons which is probably you know, four more seasons than most people expected it to get at this point. Yeah, I mean the the whole running gag on Twitter has been six seasons of a movie, and it's just mm. it's just one step closer to that now, isn't it? Yeah, if it did get to six season, then you know I could see Dan Harmon coming back to make a movie of it, or mm. uh, you know coming back to you know what I what I think would really like to see is if Dan Harmon came back to write the series finale in the same way that Larry David came back to write Seinfeld's uh, final episode although obviously there he left of his own accord and, and wasn't fired but um, you know I think that's kind of the only way I could see him returning and I think that'd be sort of nice but yeah uh, I think uh, if it could get to six seasons and you know have the next two seasons be pretty good i'd still happily watch it but i think it's this year it definitely it's sunk sort of below uh parks and rec in terms of my favorite sort of sitcoms yeah well uh, usually those two are kind of head to head and it would be like my favorite one would be whichever one i watched most recently and this year it was just kind of like yeah but i suppose i should watch the new community whereas before obviously it was something to be excited about yeah, I mean, Parks and Rec has definitely, uh, it might have taken them a few seasons, but solved its consistency issues, and uh, I mean, this season especially, it's just been, you know, so solid, They've, the, the, the kind of, the writing team has kind of um, got their act together. Yeah, definitely, so, you know, maybe we could see the same thing happen with Community next year, mm. you know, who knows, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of hopeful. Me too, Ed. Me too. And I, I genuinely do hope, uh, as much as I would have been happy for, well, definitely after seeing that last episode, uh, happy for them to kind of not carry on. And I was very surprised to see the renewal come through. Um, but yeah, good luck to whoever. Who uh, do you think the the showrunners who are on season four will stick around for season five? Uh, I, as far as I know, they are both still contracted to stay on. So. Right. I imagine they probably will do. Uh, although at the moment, I don't think NBC have at this point announced when the news, the, the fifth season will air. So if it airs in the spring again next year, you know, there's the better part of a year for everything, the wheels to completely fall off and for them to kind of hire entirely new writing staffs again. 
Yeah, well, given that they decided to pull Community, was it like the week before it was supposed to air? It was very, very close to that. I think it was it was meant to air on October 19th, and I think it was sort of mid-September was where, you know, just as all the new shows were airing. Yeah. They, so They said they, they were pulling it back and they were going to show it. Uh, well, actually, they didn't announce for a really long time when it was going to air. You know, it was it, it was a really, really long time before anyone knew if the show would ever actually see the light of day. Yeah, and it was really funny that, like, the, as I mentioned at the, the kind of top of the show, the the delays didn't help it, and you know, the peculiarity of seeing a Christmas episode in April and uh, seeing the first episode, which was a riff on the Hunger Games, once, you know, it was com- not only had it left cinemas and it was, you know, people gearing up for the second Hunger Games film, and they were there, they were there parodying the first. Yeah, it was very, it was very uh, unusual to kind of see that, uh, to see all of these, because they were kind of like acting as if you know, oh, it's, you get to see all of the the specials essentially all come out at once. Mm. You kind of think, yeah, but we're still seeing them like four months later than we should, than yeah. we should have. Yeah, defo. But yeah, so we're we're both optimistic, cautiously uh, optimistic of uh, the future of community, and uh, you know, I wish you ever takes that poison chalice on <laughs> the best of luck um, because you know it can't be any worse than the last episode that they just did um, so that was our little look at Community Season 4 um, we'll be back with a slightly longer kind of full length more focused probably uh, episode um, next time so until then it's goodbye from me and goodbye from me and goodbye from me goodbye from me